Okay, welcome to the best Tuesday you've had all week. Get out your pillows, prepare <laughs> to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the True Well Show, and yes, it's the best Tuesday you've had all week, and Matt and I are excited to be here, where we have got weighty topics today. The key word of the day, riveting. It is a riveting show. Riveting. <laughs> weighty topics. Yes. Very heavy, lots of weight to them. Uh it started with, so I actually had a client that emailed me about this and then uh, it spidered off. I don't know if you were aware of that or not. But no, somebody I didn't. That, that sent an email asking about how the various debt levels around the world trickle down to having an effect on sort of the micro economy. And, hmm. and that's, it's an interesting question, but I, I think in order to get to there, there's like these steps in between about debt. And uh, the why is this coming up? I mean, in my mind, it's really important, given the sort of backdrop of what we're looking at in the economy right now and some of the things that are, they're really hard to call what the outcome is going to be yet. But, yeah. But so far, here's here's the, the general theme I've noticed is we're close on our guessing. Like the Fed has been close, but it keeps missing the, like, when it the comes long to inflation. Target. It keeps thinking, yeah. it's not going to be that long. And then it's that long. And, and then it keeps saying again, no, it's going to be transitory. And then it's not transitory. And, well, you know, things are cooling off. And then some other data point throws that off, right? Well, like and unemployment, to their, hey, not dropping. To their credit, second. we keep doing things that make slowing that inflation harder, right? Yeah. Like student loan forgiveness. I know we just... Oh, you decided to forget. You, you're just gonna poke the bear. Seriously? Oh yeah, we just we just b carved out some more money for another section of that, right? Like we're figuring out ways to continue spending money yeah. even though we are massively in debt. Here's here's uh, can we just make colleges somehow responsible for a portion of the debt? Sure. Right. Look, there we if go. you want to take a bunch of money in the form of student loans, okay? Then you take on some of the actuarial risk too. Well, what if we end up with deadbeat students that aren't going to do anything with this. Right. And we're going to be on the hook, too, and they're not paying the debt off, and it's going to ding us, right? And all of a sudden, the criteria for education means You're, something. Right. Your lending standards might improve a little bit, right? You're not just going to throw yeah. money at people willy-nilly. Well, I mean, I hate to... I, I need to be really careful, right? Because I sit on the the education board for mm -hmm. the local community college, which I think extremely highly of, mm -hmm. right? Because I think in terms of value for education, it's great. Community colleges are awesome. I had the opportunity to go basically wherever I wanted out of high school, mm -hmm. right? And I had huge scholarship offers to institutions that were, you know, pretty awesome. And, but I started just looking at the numbers, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you want to give me a $40,000 scholarship. But if your tuition over four years is going to be $120,000, yep. you know, still a big I don't stroke. want to have to come up with 80000 So if I spend two years at my local community college where my tuition was $4,000 and I got half of it out of the way for $4,000, that's a good investment, and that's exactly what I did. Yeah, and I think there's a tremendous... Uh, investment opportunity. And I love the fact that the community college is genuinely connected to the community, mm -hmm. right? We're starting, and I don't mean to turn this into the college show, but I will for a second. Sure. You know, just talking about Let's how, go down that path for a well, moment. Well, the, the idea that we're seeing real efforts by 
um, faculty administration and, and all the parties that are relevant to try to create more dual enrollment credits at the high mm -hmm. school. That means that you could be a student at the high schools that you're in, in our area and you may be able to take that class and simultaneously get college credit for it. That's just free money. Yeah. Right. And I think that's kind of what the show is about today. It's the spending show. Where is spending appropriate and where is unnecessary debt ridiculous? And that's one of those things where it's like if if it's going to be free or, you know, even at a really reduced rate, be responsible with your money. It's and I think we're trying free. Right. That's really the, there is no such thing as free. It's just being paid for in other in other ways. Right. And this is probably my big beef with the system right and this is why i have the this chip about student debt for example it's it should be an investment it right? should it shouldn't be something where i went spent a bunch of money to get an education that did not put me in a position to recover the costs that i endured yeah you got to look at what degree you're going for and is that degree going to be worth it in comparison to what you're spending because like just loving it isn't good enough. Yeah, it, there's it's not a re, there's no return in it. And mm -hmm. I can hear some people saying, "Well, not everything has a return." You know, what about the arts or the sudden answer? You know, I, I understand that there are components to being well rounded. Mm -hmm. Okay, but that's about being well rounded, right? You still have a core component that needs to have some functional use. Mm -hmm. Okay, a and it's not. I'm not saying it needs to have functional use because I'm like like rigid about this i'm saying it's because otherwise wh what are you paying for like you don't have to pay somebody to study yeah. art you could just go study it because you enjoy it and do a self-study and not incur the cost right you can't just it can't just fully be about the experience right and for too many people it is yeah and and so all of this gets back to you know the, the debt connection mm -hmm. right and I think we have some real, they call it the pernicious incentive, right? Or the, the, the perverse, the negative incentive where, okay, I'm actually going to, we're going to encourage a behavior that we don't want to see. Okay. And, and this would be a, a classic case of, uh, you've heard of folks that find themselves in social assistance, right? The mm -hmm. welfare program. And I'm not trash and welfare when I say this. But, I am but you're saying, saying it can be like abused. Well, and... if you make more money not working than working. Mm -hmm. And so your incentive is to not get out of the welfare system because it's not profitable to you. Right. Then the system itself is broken. Mm -hmm. Right. It shouldn't work that way. That's an inverse incentive. Right. It's a disincentive to get off of the program. OK, well, that's there's something's wrong there. What are, what are we doing? And sometimes it's not the program. It's how the person is culturally sort of warmed up to that system right if you've that's all you've ever known then that's what generational poverty looks like it sort of figures out a way to keep doing what it's always been doing and so people learn to navigate the system rather than learning how to get into the economic system where they're they're part of the production means right there it's you know the welfare system there's not really production it's just maintenance and support so how do we get folks to be contributory into the system as opposed to just taking from the system. Right. That's a really good question. Yeah. And and it's not easily answered, right? No. So here on the True Wealth Show, we're not going to super dive into that and try to tackle it. But what I am going to say is when you have a pernicious incentive, mm -hmm. right, just like forgiving student debt incentivizes well, people to take on more debt, 
but it also doesn't do anything for controlling the cost of the education. In a lot of these government programs, they're set up to where you have a budget, and if you don't spend up to that amount, guess what? Your funding gets slashed. Yeah, I mean, I saw that all the time in a prior, you know, working experience. Sure. And so I look at this and I say, we're structurally set up wrong. The government has enabled and kind of glorified bad spending habits. And I'm not certain how to fix it, because if you were to tell the the department, figure out how to save more every time, they might do that, but then they start to sacrifice the The quality of the services, yeah. So I I can see the conundrum. Mm -hmm. The problem that I have in the end is that we do have, it, it works out to this. We have people that get the right to vote for things, but they don't have skin in the game, mm-hmm. right? So what they can do is they can vote for redistribution to themselves. And I think in it's the It's almost end, like a vote by, kind of. Yeah, well, and that's the issue is, oh, so if you have folks that are buried in student debt and can't get out, mm-hmm. and they are low, low enough on the socioeconomic totem pole that they're in real trouble, and so you forgive those loans. Then you can whoever forgives the loan is it's you can really take a good bet that unless every politician running says I'll do it too, mm-hmm. the one who says they're going to do it versus the one who says they won't, that's who they're going to vote for. Right. Right. And while it makes sense, it's perverse in nature because you you're trading the vote. Mm-hmm. And and I think we have a real challenge that there there are still folks that are principally speaking will vote for things that aren't in their best interest that they think it's in the greater good's best interest, but I think there are a lot more people that vote self interest than best interest. Right. It's right. a hard thing to do. Right. And 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 the other is because best interest that ought to be a red flag anytime you hear that too, mm-hmm. because according to whom? Exactly. Right. According to whom? And, and I, what I can tell you is there's sometimes where it's pretty obvious. Like, it's not in your best interest to overdose on drugs. And yet, for some people, that's the decision that they make. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, well, those are tricky too. How much do we honor somebody's right to do harm to themselves? Oof. Yeah. Now we're getting into a philosophical yeah. question. Which yeah. is why we just need to talk about federal debt instead. $32.9 <laughs> It's just a few pennies, right? <laughs> trillion. So uh, what? No, 32.9. This will be fun. We're going to put, we're going to see how Matt does as like a narrator here in a minute. But um, uh, if you guys have, I don't even know if I've got my monitor working here. Um, We'll figure that out in a second. We want to do this. We're going to take our first break. Okay. When we get back from the break, Matt, we're yes. going to talk about the scale of our federal debt a little bit because yeah. we had some fun with that. We did. And then we got a whole bunch more to talk about, like zombie companies and bankruptcies in 2024 and all that. But Maybe we, gotta, maybe gotta we fix the U.S. debt problem in the next 30 minutes. How all right. About that? Yeah. Well, hang on. We got this covered. <laughs> so stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. We got True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show where we are going to just. Well, we will commiserate gonna, with you. How about we just throw rocks at the U.S. government, yeah. but then pick them back up with yeah. recommendations we're on how they can do We're going to talk debt today, but we're also going to uh, remind you that if you're just getting caught up, uh, you can hear other uh, tirades on our podcast, right? So grab that at littlejohnfs.com under the Educate tab, and you can hunt our information, something like that. Anyway, it's there. Uh, website keeps changing, all kinds of good stuff. So go find all the goodies. But Matt. Yes. Help our listeners here 
Like I, I actually, I know I'd seen this before, but I don't think you had when we looked at the graphics today about just how much debt do we have? Right, thirty-two point nine trillion, almost thirty-three trillion dollars. Almost thirty-three trillion dollars. But what was crazy? You found this website that like animated this whole thing, and I didn't realize the scope of how much debt that really is as a visual until you until you brought this video up, right? And it basically just continues to show if you take a hundred dollar bill and stack it up what does it have to look like in order to equal 33 trillion dollars mm -hmm. and it was like skyscrapers the taller than the statue of liberty and a lot of them surrounding it yeah, yeah surrounding like dozens it. of skyscrapers right and so i don't think we can fathom that no but like... you can fathom this this is a visual i think you can fathom mm -hmm. if you take so take the u.s out of it and look at like the next eight countries with the most debt you can add up all of their debt total, and it is less than the United States total debt. Right. What's Give me the stat for like the debt per citizen. Yeah, so if we wanted to try and pay that off, every single person in the United States, including your babies and everyone, they'd have to find $98,000 to hand over. You want to compare that, and this is kind of skewed because China's population is huge, but like China, for example, they each person would have to come up with $1,700 versus us at 98000 Yeah, it's, it's a staggering amount staggering. of debt. Now, here's like China's question. got $2.4 trillion. Do We're you at know how big the U.S. GDP is? Now, oh, we're not I done with this year. Oh, I have a GDP stat for you. It's not on okay. this sheet, but I remember it. Okay. As a percent of GDP, I believe the United States was at 122% of GDP, whereas China was at, like, 13. Right. Well, U.S. has the economy in the U.S., mm -hmm. right? So keep in mind, if Matt just gave us the total debt load, mm -hmm. right? Not the deficit. That's how much they overspend every year. That's the, different. The debt, that's how much, we've, how much overspending we've aggregated and accumulated over time. Mm-hmm. So our debt's at thirty-two point nine million. It's so almost three at thirty-three million. Trillion. 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 Yeah. Sorry. The US economy is at the end of twenty two was twenty five point four six trillion. Say that again. Twenty five point four six trillion. So we have more debt than an entire year of our GDP. Correct. Right. So keep in mind that it would take if, if you didn't get a paycheck for the entire next year, but you had to go to work every day and 100 percent of your money went toward paying off debt. We still wouldn't be done after a year. Yeah. Well, I and you can't visualize a chart right on paper. But what's really interesting is when you look at how much the U.S. is spending versus how much revenue we have coming in, you look at taxpayer funding, all the different revenue streams that the government has. For a lot of years, you can go back to the 80s, run it through 2021, our spending was higher than our revenue, but as a percentage, it wasn't like that much more, right? So our revenue and our spending weren't astronomically different, but you throw COVID into the mix and all this money printing, and our spending went off the charts, just off the charts. Yeah. I think that it was something like more than 20% of all cash in existence for the United States was created in the last two years. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, I shouldn't say cash, all currency, because it's not all printed, right? A lot of it's just digital in banks, like, you know, zeros and ones on spreadsheets. There's no money anywhere. It's just representative of the value. Sure. Right. They don't print a dollar for every dollar that exists no. in our economy. No. In fact, 
I think the money in circulation right now is like 2.3 trillion. Mm-hmm. Our if our debt is over 30, you know, 32 trillion, that's 13 times more debt than money in circulation. So like everyone empty your pockets, we still can't pay it off. Uh, the thing that is concerning to me is that the rate it, it is growing, right? We're we're continuing to Well, and uh, have we, we felt the effects of it, that, David? That, that, that's what my my question is. Gets no. bigger. Right. And have we actually felt the effects of some bad decision making yet? Well, we're starting to. We see the interest interest rates rising to try and slow things down. Um but have we actually f- really felt the effects of our sin? <laughs> I don't think so. No. I don't think so. And I'm no. concerned because there are other things at play that are they're just they're, really yeah. super problematic. Um, for most of these the, the countries, like I don't know if you writ, wrote down the, the other eight countries, the biggest debt, but I'd be willing to wager that the majority Ooh. of them are in Europe. UK was the actually look there they were number two on the list the uk right Mm -hmm. their percent of gdp like if 122 percent of our debt is represented by gdp the uk was over 300 it's three times worse in the uk so they are in real trouble europe in general western europe i should say Mm mm-hmm is largely in serious trouble yeah the amount of debt per person there over $300,000 right. per and person. The problem is they also have a real economic conundrum. How did it get to this point? Well, there, there's been a lot of generous social benefits. Sure. Right? And, you know, when you start to – when you hear people say things like, we should be able to have maternity leave and paternity leave, and we should have – colleges and universities should all be paid for – and we should have health care, and we should have all those things. You go, those all sound like really good things mm-hmm. until you try to figure out how to afford all of it, considering that everybody that is – because here's the problem, right? You it's have like, to pay the people to You know what it sounds things. like? It sounds like that really snobby person that's like, well, I want my, my expensive SUV, and I want my house with 20,000 square feet, and it has to have a pool, and – I want at least $5 million in cash, but I don't really want to work. I don't want a job. I don't want to have to earn it. That's what this sounds like, right? We want all of these things, but we don't stop and say, well, how do we actually come up with the funds for yeah. the stuff well, that you want? The the, when the money doesn't exist, but the government sort of conjures it in the mm-hmm. form of debt, and you do it at a pace where because you know the government is in a position to do that, I suppose— and you do, then people warm up to the idea that it needs to be there. And then if any elected leadership wants to take it away, those people will not be reelected. You'll just keep putting people in where the incentive is to tell the the people, at least, to tell the electorate or the, the, the electoral body, right, to tell the citizenry, hey, I'll do these things. I'll give you these things. You just touched on something that I was thinking about earlier before we got in the studio, and it's We've kind of done this to ourselves in the way that we have voted, right? Of course. Right. If you keep putting people in a place where they're going to continue to just spend to make you say, yay, good job, you made my life a little bit easier, without realizing that it's now harder in the future with the future generations, you're actually part of the problem. Yeah. Well, consider for a minute uh, how we treat taxes, right? Why was a Roth IRA so remarkable 
compared to a traditional IRA when it came out in like 1996. It allowed your money to grow where when you take it out, you're not going to have to pay taxes on it. Sure. But what government in their right mind would say, you know, let's give up all the taxes on future growth. Right. No, the government that's thinking I need money right now. Like that's future government's problem. Today, right. government they're is hungry. They're incentivizing right now. you Give to. Give me the taxes right now because, this, this, I mean, so there's this sort of economic theories going around. and um, I want to get more one, into that, actually. Yeah, later so like on in the Keynesian show. economics versus Austrian economics. That's a, those are two big overarching theories. One of them um, suggesting that the government should be, you know, stimulate the economy to, to you know, manage the peaks and troughs. Uh, we don't uh, you do know what? Keynesian economics You know here. what we could do later on in the show? Tell I could me. quiz you with nine different ways that oh, okay. people have proposed for the government to fix this debt problem. I'll bet you I could give you a dozen more. I, I, I'm gonna, <laughs> I could throw them out there, right? I could throw some at you and say, David, yes, no, explain it. And that could be fun. It could be fun. It could be fun. Well, let's, um, as we'll, we'll start sort of setting the table for that. So our, so all of you listening, you're going to want to stick around for the show because Matt's going to pop quiz here. Mm-hmm. But if we talk about um, debt, like I don't know that our listeners care that much about the why. The, the, here's the end of the thought on Keynesian economics. Uh, government may spend in order to stimulate, but it's supposed to save and the times are good. And that's why our election system doesn't work that way. Like, oh, we have extra money. Well, we should spend it because we have it. We don't have enough money. Oh, well, we should deficit spend in order to spool the economy up so that we have money again. Yeah, I mean. And it's like, well, so what you're saying is no matter what, we should spend. And now we have the greatest debt in the history of humankind, as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, there was only like, on looking at this chart, one or two years where we were actually spending less than we were bringing in in revenue. Yeah, and I remember those times before I was an advisor. This was in the late 90s during the Clinton administration. And what was interesting is tax rates were materially higher, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there was the tax rates were a lot higher. But there was also just a different amount of coordination uh, with what was going on. So we, you know, we did have tax receipts in excess of expenditures. Were there any while. wars going on at that time? Mm, uh. It was post-Iraq. Okay. Right? So that were we Bush, out of a war? That was Bush yeah. Sr. Was H-Dub? There's... It was There's right before it was right before Bush came in, yeah. So when so Bush was there and there was the initial Iraq war and then Clinton was there for mm-hmm. 8 years and then George Bush came in uh, yeah, George, George W. w. Yeah. And and there was another round of Iraq war. Yeah, so that might have played a little bit of a helping hand without the war spending. Well, um, I I don't, I, I don't really know exactly how they were able to the, to well, break the even. The taxes were materially higher. Okay. Right? And the government wasn't spending at the same rate. So for for a little while, here's the thing, right? If we crank taxes way up, mm-hmm. we will bring in a lot more money. We'll just crush the economy. Right. Right. And, and if so, you crush the economy, then there's less money to get from taxes. Yeah. There was an interesting economic theory out there called the Laffer curve. Oh, Not like I laughter like L-A, you know, U-G-H, right? Like Laffer, L-A-F-F-E-R. Tell me about this. Name. Tell me about this theory. Well, the theory was that there's a certain amount that you, there's only so much you're going to be able to collect in taxes because at some point raising taxes higher will produce lower receipts 
because the economy will start to shrink. So it's like trying to find that sweet spot where you exactly. can get enough to make everything run, but not yeah. too much to where you squash businesses. Well, it's, the, it's the most that you can collect. It, it, in If we were thinking in the stock market terms, right, using modern portfolio theory and mean variance optimization, it's the optimized mix of all the different investments to get you the most return yep. for the amount of risk you're taking. Well, this in terms of stock versus or in terms of taxes versus economy is the optimized blend to get you the most return, uh, the most collection of tax receipts possible, mm -hmm. right? And so, because at some point, if you slow the economy down, you shrink the wage, and then the higher tax doesn't give you any more revenue, right? It just starts to cannibalize itself. Right. So that's the 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 theory. Anyway, it doesn't get a whole lot of press, but it's a it's an interesting concept among economists, uh, and I don't. It's not a sophisticated concept, right? Now, how you implement it, I, I don't know, but that's where it came from. The Laffer curve was was that idea. So, um, anyway, all this to say, as we look into the next season, um, we have lots of debt. We do, right? The government has lots of debt, such numbers that the average person just cannot fathom what it looks like. Right. It, it's hard to explain. It's like if, if I walked up and said, oh, well, here's a glass of water and that's how much money you make in a year. Here's an Olympic swimming pool. That's how much debt the United States has. I'd like you to empty this swimming pool with your drinking glass. Good luck. <laughs> right. See you in five years. That's kind of what it's like. It's like that's so staggering a difference that it just doesn't compute. Mm -hmm. Right. When you start adding zeros like that and you reach orders of magnitude, it's just. You, you don't get it. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can talk. Uh, no, I know the number. It's 30. Well, it's almost 33 trillion. I, no, I get it. You know the number. You don't get it. I don't get it. None of us gets Scrooge McDuck style money bin kind of money. <laughs> right? It's just crazy. <laughs> I love that. So anyway, with all of this debt, what do we do? That is the right? question. That's what I would love that's, to talk and about And I think today. that's the, the setup here. The quiz is... What should we do? So the first question I would ask is, do we need to do anything? Like, mm. do we need to haul the debt in? That's a question that we can unpack. Because some people probably don't care. Right? And then the Let other question would be, um, if we do, then what? All right? Yes. Let's but, get to that then Yeah, what? before we can answer those questions, we need to take an obscene property. So you're saying we're going to fix everything when we get back? We'll fix it all, Matt. <laughs> or we'll talk it. about fixing it all when we come back. All right, stick around. I'm Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 929 FM and 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where we are unpacking and trying to. Uh, well, you said fix it, but we're not in charge of that, right? No, like, we're not. We're, we're not paid rocks enough. at the debt, and we're trying to have a get real moment. And I think the big reason for this, honestly, is, uh, you know, if you're out there trying to figure out how to navigate the system, let's understand a little bit about the debt, what's going on. You can understand a little bit about what's going on with the politics around this, mm -hmm. right? Because there are two uh, major players when it comes to how uh, finances and debt get uh, sort of managed. Right. One of them is the Federal Reserve, right? That's the, the monetary policy, if you will. And then the other, and, and and the U.S. Treasury plays into that as well. But you have the monetary side of things, and this create the supply or the lack thereof of money, and the and the cost or the interest rates set. And then you have fiscal policy, right? That's how the money gets spent by our government. Right. Okay. So those two have material effects on what's going on in the economy. Uh, 
both have it's all contributed to massive 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 amounts of debt on the books and uh, I remember us passing the one-to-one -one ratio where our debt began to be bigger than our uh, one-year GDP. And where this really got flagged was probably somewhere in that 2013, 14, 15 range with what was called the pigs. It was uh, mm. Portugal, Italy, Greece, and... Yeah, in um, 2010 when Greece declared yeah, bankruptcy. What was that? Spain, I think, was in there too. Um, and Portugal was in there. But, mm -hmm. but anyway, that group... Uh, I think he said Portugal twice. Anyway, that group had just this really big debt-to-GDP ratios, and the productivity per worker, tax revenue, and total GDP was just a mess. And a lot of it came down to they just had way too robust a benefit program for their economy to afford, right? So they were saying, oh, well, we have this. It's like their equivalent of Social Security. Mm -hmm. But it was just, yeah, sure, you can start at 55 years old and take you know 100% of your salary for the rest of your life. And people are living another 30 years. It's like, well, you're paying people in retirement longer than the number of years they put into the system. How do you expect that to work? Right, well, right. The, those years were really kind of pivotal um, years because like 2010 Greece, the country collapses, right? Mm -hmm. They declare bankruptcy. And I think the US during that time kind of saw that as a big red flag. Like, wait a minute, a country can actually go bankrupt? And you look, you fast forward a year, 2011, that's when the, was it, what was the name for it? There were six senators that got together and they tried passing a um, deficit reduction plan. And I think it was largely in part to kind of some of the, the fear around, well, our spending is going through the roof. Our debt is going crazy. We don't want to be the next Greece. And so you saw those senators try and get that deficit reduction plan to go through. It didn't go through, and it failed. But those were some interesting times. Interesting times. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's unpack this question for a second. Yeah. All right. One of the, the questions at, at the break, so we got all this data, is you know, do we need to do anything about this? There's actually a school of thought out there yep. that, no, it doesn't actually matter. Every As long as all of the countries – kind of have similar amounts of debt and we're sort of adding to it at a similar pace we're at parity with each other mm -hmm. and so it's like well all the plates are still spinning just don't stop spinning them right right uh i don't subscribe to this school of thought well just so you guys yeah. know i mean like i'm i'm not one it's that this theory that we yeah it's the theory that we basically have a printing press right i i say it, it's like well as long as you can make the minimum payment on the credit card it's okay and if you can get a raise every year, then you don't have to pay off the credit card and you can spend a little bit more because, hey, I got a raise. Does this kind of loop back to the trillion dollar coin idea? No, it doesn't. No. That's a separate thing entirely. Okay. Um, it just, that, yeah, we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Now, this just comes back to the idea that if you can grow the economy, mm -hmm. you can afford more debt. Right? And right. so you and, make and more, you the, can spend more. That's the theory. More. It's like, yeah. hey, well, you don't have to pay the debt off. You just have to be able to keep making payments on the debt. So if you can keep Well, and that's that basically status. all we're doing at the moment, right? Like we're not <laughs> sort of. Yeah. You know, except now we we are watering down the currency. Like all this inflation that we have is mm -hmm. because we have reduced the purchasing power. So right. we have printed money. It's that also is what we sometimes refer to as monetizing the debt, right? Make more money. So, oh, I owe you $100. I have $50, but I'll print 50 more and I'll pay you back. And what you really did was got $50 worth of purchasing power. 
because that $50 yeah. that was invented doesn't have the same purchasing power. So the person that loaned the money out is going to get hosed, mm-hmm. right? Well, the government borrows money. It doesn't loan it, right? So like all those treasury bonds out there, that's borrowing money from other people and then paying them back when they mature, right? paying interest along the way. So our government is like, well, hey, you know, <laughs> it, it hoses the borrower, or rather it hoses the lender, not the borrower, and we're the borrower, so it's not a bad gig for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, let's so let's look at let's pretend though that that's not the answer. Maybe the okay. answer isn't just work harder to pay the interest. Yeah. Do you want me to give you a few of so what I did um before the show came up, I was like, you know, we keep hearing everyone talk about the darn US government and their debt problem, but you rarely hear about actual ways proposed ways of trying to reduce the debt, right? And okay. so what I did is I was like, you know what? We need to go in and find kind of like the top proposed ways of solving this debt problem. What what are what's out there? What are some ideas? And then I kind of wanted to throw them at you and see what your take on it was. Okay. So this is basically a pop quiz where you're going to tell me somebody said we should try this. What do you think? Yeah, that's that's what okay. this is. Are okay. you game for I'm it? Game. Let's do it. Okay. So one of them was through bonds, using basically using debt to pay debt. And I think we kind of or you were just kind of talking about that in a way. In a way, yes. Yeah. That's the idea of just keep refinancing. Yeah. And it works until you have a big change in interest rates. And right? we we're, just saw that. We're experiencing it right now. So I now mean, the government is having to, yeah. you know, pay. Well, it also puts the government in a conflicted to position the of trying to say, well, so we need to keep rates low for us. Uh-huh. But if we keep rates low, it creates an inflationary environment, which creates it, a different set of problems. It's because, the double edged sword. Yes. Right. And so I think you have your answer right there that trying to unnaturally. Mm-hmm. Manipulate market interest rates. That was actually number two on my list: interest rate manipulation. Because with lower rates, you stimulate the economy too, which means more tax revenue to pay the debt. Yeah. So it's which, and you can start to see that many of these are going to be linked together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think a certain amount of interest rate management isn't crazy. Right. But I think how much we can control the market is. Uh, probably less than we realize, right? Mm-hmm. The market's going to decide, and it's going to decide real easily. It's going to say, hey, Matt, can I borrow some money? And you're going to take a look and go, things don't look very stable right now. No, it's going to be a pretty high interest I rate. I need some cash, yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to need some collateral or something else that's actually going to hold its value because I'm mm-hmm. not interested in getting you know, taken Into a bad loan, loan. yeah. What, yeah. About, what about spending cuts? So, Just reducing the amount of spending. I see it as you know, kind of... Well, people's jobs are on the line, right? Like mm-hmm. spending cuts means the person that's working for the government might not have a paycheck. That doesn't sound good. But yeah. at the same time, maybe there's ways to look at spending cuts where, you know, we're spending unnecessary money. Yeah, I think the devil's in the detail. Yeah, I agree. Because we we create certain things. I mean, I've I've probably been unduly harsh about this. I'm going to share an example, but I'm going to try not to be totally like heavy-handed about this. Um, I think that the TSA at airports is mostly theater, right? Mm-hmm. And 
that's well, there's probably things that aren't that I don't really understand that that go through like this, but the the actual screening process itself of standing in a line and taking off your shoes or whatever and having all the bags scanned and all that that it's not that it's a bad thing, but having the TSA do it versus having each airline at its own gate before you get on a plane do that, uh, I can see that yeah th 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 it's not necessarily best to have the public system public dollars yeah when especially when you have a system that kind of puts people in a position of authority has very very one the organization has really deep pockets has some very um, strict rules about the way breaks are managed and the way that hiring and firing occurs and things so it creates tremendous administrative bloat and it's huge yeah I imagine so it's like this was a massive spend and you know did it actually add to the economy or did it slow it down? I love free choice, right? Because think about it like this. Let's just play a game. If mm -hmm. you have an airline, and, and say you take TSA out of it, and the security portion comes strictly onto the shoulders of the airline, if an airline has really strict policies, really screens people as they come through, for the person who really cares about their safety, they can spend more sure. for that service. You could have another airline where it's like, oh, their security's not that good and their prices are lower. But yeah, yeah on, on it's a free side, market. You know, how but, free? Because yeah. I could also say, well, the organizations that make sure that companies follow maintenance protocols so that planes stay airworthy. Right. But right? That, I think that's a little separate of just security well, checks. But yeah. It, uh, yeah. And it goes into multiple examples. I, that's why I say I think the devil's in the detail. It is. Most of the time we like to have the things that the government provides. We actually do. But yeah, we you don't like, like good roads. Yeah, we don't like the bureaucracy, and we don't like the fact that the way the government has largely handled previous issues where employment issues, mm -hmm. where you wanted to hire or fire somebody, and somebody says it's discriminatory, it results in a lawsuit, and the fix was a really broad-reaching policy that makes it harder to uh, function or in some way, or you know, creates protected classes. And we've all heard the story about like the person that doesn't do their job but can't get fired. Sure, right? Like we and we hate that. So I think the devil's in the details. What about just the blanket statement raise taxes? So the, that's back to that Laffer curve discussion earlier mm -hmm. in the show, right? Right. Uh, there is a certain amount of uh, raising taxes would theoretically help, but it would come with some economic drag. Mm -hmm. And I think that the the key here, people want to say like, we'll raise the taxes on the rich. We're seldom, that's not where you're not going to be successful with that, right? Mm -hmm. We've not so seen historical evidence that you do that. It, it ends up being borne by the middle class. We just sort of redefine the middle class in order to reach them. And so, and it's because the very things that the wealthy take advantage of are things that the are tax codes that businesses need in order to be viable. Mm -hmm. And you know, because they own the businesses. They exist in that tax realm. It's different than the employee tax realm. So, uh, you know, raising taxes to a certain extent, yes, but it's. I, I think it is a being. It's more like you're better off having a cocktail of several of these that are subtle than big chunks out of any one of these things so far. Okay. So here's an interesting one. This one's a little bit controversial, but um, opening up immigration more. Uh, there was some statistics that came out where immigrants. Um, to the country that aren't, you know, natively born here, start businesses at twice the rate of, you know, natural born citizens. So the theory is, you know, you get more workers, more businesses that are up and going, that's more tax revenue, a faster growing population with that immigration, you know, could give you more demand for goods, strengthen the economy and help pay down the debt. I'll tell you, my, uh, for as far as I'd, I'd love to see a, a system where we 
improve and streamline legal immigration, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I think that's the key is it's got to be legal. I think if right. you're just saying, well, open the borders up and let whatever happens right. happen. That's, like, a, that's a different no, story. No, yeah. that's, that's, that's not my solve at all. Mm-hmm. But if you're saying the people that want to be in this country, that want to be here to contribute, the, contribute that are entrepreneurial right. in nature and are going to be additive, I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, that's exactly who I want here. Uh, do I want them to like come in and say, great, now that I'm here, let's uh, completely change the culture? No, that, that's not what I'm going for. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, come join us and help us expand and grow and enrich our culture, but don't come here and then start to say, you guys suck, everybody has to change. I'm like, ah, yeah. then don't come here, go do some somewhere else. But I, I'm all in favor of having, yeah. you know, like immigration reform and making that work. And like, I don't, I don't care like what the person like looks like, uh, you know, or all those things that end up in the mix. I just like, good folks, welcome. Yeah. That's, what, that's who we want here. Yeah. So. Well, how about this? How about we take a break, and okay. when we come back, I've got three more All right. that I really want to run past you on. How do we fix this government debt problem? Sounds like fun. All right. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM at 1240. KQEN. Well, you know what? I wouldn't have named him that, but no, what are you going to do? No, me neither. <laughs> hey, guys, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where uh, we got a few uh, few minutes left here. Matt, you are pop quizzing on uh, yeah. proposals for how to reduce the federal debt. Yeah. Okay, and I'm basically throwing rocks at them. And go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's this one's really going to ruffle some feathers. Uh, raise the retirement age. So if you go from full retirement age at 67 to maybe like early 70s, then more money would be going into Social Security and um, maybe less coming out. Thoughts? Yeah, I don't think Social Security. I mean, so entitlements are two thirds of the budget, mm-hmm. right? So Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid right. and so forth, that's about two thirds of the budget. Is it really that much of it? Yeah, it is. Wow. There's, that's like, staggering. There's a lot less than 50% of it's discretionary. Wow. Um, so these entitlement programs, and they're called that, you know, whenever somebody says, like, I paid for those, and I'm like, just. I want to smack you. That's not why it's called an entitlement program, okay? But it, to, to anybody that was born into the system that was already in debt, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like entitlement, okay? It, right. It feels it's like a, a burden that somebody else handed us for being born here. Right. Okay? And now there are a lot of things that were awesome for being born here, but being handed debt because you were born here, not not interesting, right? Not cool. Okay. Whatever. Um, the the uh, issue would be, would it work? Yeah, it would. Right? It, will it happen? Doubtful, because it's politically untenable. Mm-hmm. Um, when might it happen? About the time that millennials outnumber baby boomers. And they and just so, want to take them out. They're well, like, no, yeah. and, and when it comes to voting, it's like, I think that's the, the real danger is that when you have big population groups and, and the millennials as a population group, as they uh, start to, if they were to start mobilizing as a voting block, you know, right now, baby boomers are really big voting blocks still, and they're still more active, right? So they tend to sway a lot of the political narrative. But um, as uh, these groups continue to age, it, that, that is potentially something that could happen. And, and it, you very well could see the, the retirement rates change or ages right. change. Well, and, and as life expectancy continues yeah. to go up, I'm sure they're going to yeah. continue to gradually well, and, bump and we it. may yet see radical stuff. There's still proposals of like Medicare for all. That changes everything. That means oh like all gosh, everybody paying yeah. their health premiums right now those are probably redirected from your health insurance company into like a Medicare pool and your health will end up like end up like Canada right where you have a national sales tax which is a perfect segue into my next one national sales tax yeah. Canada if you didn't know they're at five percent 
and Japan, who has a staggering debt problem, yeah, um, they're at ten percent. Right. So, and these tend to be considered regressive taxes because they're mm-hmm. based on consumption, which penalizes people that have lower incomes. Mm-hmm. So, um, not real popular politically. Would it solve it? I don't think it solves it because I think we have a culture problem in Congress that's the problem. Right, the, because the they problem see is like more... we already have revenue, and so great, more money comes in, we'll just spend more. Right. So I, th- I think it could do the opposite. It could actually exacerbate Incentivize the bad behavior. Yeah. yeah I think it's it like giving it the person that doesn't have a good spending track with a credit card a bunch of cash. Well, I've got more money. Let's just go spend more yeah, on that card. Yeah. I, I just like, don't Whoa. think you're going to fix an accountability problem with um, more gasoline. I like that. I like that explanation. Okay, I got one more for you. Are you prepared to handle it? I am. We got about 60 seconds left. Okay, revamp the tax code. Yeah, I try and get rid of whole. Try and get rid of loopholes. Trying to figure out ways where we can, you know, reduce the deficit just naturally and organically. Keep in mind the tax code was built because certain behaviors were incentivized or disincentivized. I think we could really, it'd be very beneficial to radically streamline and simplify the tax code. Well, and like I talked about before, back in 2011, we almost had something pushed through. And I don't know if it's good, bad, or the other, but the plan was to save about $3.7 trillion over 10 years. That was how yeah. it was laid out. Would it actually have done it? Who knows? Yeah, but, I mean, a 10% savings over uh, three years, that'd be worth it to add up over time. Right. But I think I, we I, just got to go back to the drawing board, right? Like. Yeah. Nonpartisan. We just have to look at this and say it's a problem. Let's actually work towards being better. It doesn't. Ha- we don't have to fix it overnight, but let's l- at least take a step in the right direction. Yeah. Well, it, it's it comes down to this. We are we're gonna have to. We could start by doing our own part, right? Which means let's look at ourselves, and then we'll look at how we can expand from there. Which means if you need help, give us a shout. Five four one three seven five zero eight nine eight. But we're out of time for now. So until next time, I'm Dave Littlejohn. I'm Matt Dixon, and you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio ninety three nine FM. And 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.